0: Hi, everybody. I just want to take a moment to just share just around, I think, an incredibly important subject, uh, certainly in leadership, is to be kind of more like Jesus. That is the desire of God for us to be more like his son. That is the aim of every one of our lives, I'm sure, is just to become more like Jesus. He is the measuring stick. He's the one we go. We want to become more like. And so I want to just talk around leadership in that context, talk a little bit about developing a a Christ-like culture. In our lives and in our ministries we want to be able to people to see christ in us we know the bible says it's christ in us is the hope of glory and so if you wouldn't mind just joining me in scripture i'm going to ask you to go to second timothy chapter four and i think there's way too much focus on building platform and influence but there's little very little uh talked about when it comes to character and i want to talk about that christ-like character that we all need paul writes in second timothy chapter four And for time's sake, we'll pick up in verse 6. He says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. He says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for His appearing. Notice, kind of in a legacy at the end of Paul's time when he's now kind of just speaking some of his last words in a sense, but also just highlighting some of the accomplishments of his life, the legacy. Interesting how he doesn't mention one church that he's planted, doesn't mention one letter that he's written, doesn't mention one trip that he's been on, doesn't mean anything of that we would probably say is so significant. He simply says these words, his brief statement is it doesn't include education, doesn't include places, doesn't include letters, doesn't include the people he's preached to or the churches he's planted. As he's pondering the end of his life, he makes these three simple statements about himself and his legacy. He says, I've fought the good fight. He says, I've finished the race and I've kept the faith. Not I've survived, but I've finished. And I do believe, friends, that it's got to be an intentional thing. It's not just something that happens. And in actual fact, if we're honest, a lot of people fall out of the race. A lot of people don't finish. A lot of people don't keep the faith. A lot of people do lose their way. And it's, it's very easy to get to that place. And I think we've got to be intentional. We've got to be focused. And I want to challenge us in leadership that we better be careful where we're looking. Uh, Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Or the NIV says, where there is, uh, where, where there is no, no revelation, the people cast off restraint. I want to just say, be careful where we're looking. Um, I believe we need to be looking to Christ, looking at Christ. We need to make Him the focal point. The Bible is very clear in that. But we also need to understand that we need vision. We've got to live with vision and lead with vision and point people to something and to someone. And I believe that someone is Jesus. I do believe with no vision, the Bible is very clear, is that we, have, we begin to compromise. Proverbs 29, 18, we've said that. We, we, we become comfortable. We lose conviction when we're not living with vision or leading with vision or looking to someone like jesus christ we we lose our conviction i think even in a season like we've all been go, gone through this lockdown globally it's shown us that people have lost their way because they've been focused on the work they're doing rather than the lord of the work and i think that's something that's been really good for all of us is that we live with conviction when we're linked and looking to jesus christ he's what matters we get consumed with the wrong things if we don't have vision the right vision we become complacent and ultimately Our character gets corrupted, which is, I think, a tragedy, but I do believe it's because we're not looking in the right places or we're not living with vision. Another thing for leaders is we need to look to where are we living. It's a good question. Uh, We love to talk about our ministries and what we're called to and all that stuff, but actually our lives are what determine the success of our ministries, how we live our lives. And again, it's back to not just our influence and our platform, but our character the way we deal with things in our own lives that I think needs to be emphasized as we build on that and build for that if we're going to finish this race and actually represent Christ right to the end. So, so questions quickly, if I can ask you and I as leaders, we should answer them for ourselves and, and ask these things regularly. Number one is, do you live a life worthy of imitating? Is my life worth imitating? Um, not do you have a ministry or do you have a, a, a church that everybody looks to, but my life what I'm involved in, what I give myself to, what I give my attention to. Do you have a life worth imitating? Does Because again, as we said, your ministry follows your life. I always say this, there are three faces to our lives in leadership and in ministry. There's that public world where everyone sees it. And if we're honest, unfortunately, most of us play to that public world. we It's all the social media stuff. It's all the, it's the captions. It's all the, the big moments in our lives. And we put it out there and it's this public... Persona, Maybe there's some truth to it, but it's not really who we are. But most of us care more about that public uh, face of our lives than the other ones. And uh, while that is important, friends, that's not what we should be focusing on. That's just one of many faces. So we have our public world where everyone sees. There's this personal world that we have. And those are close to us in our marriages, our spouses or our families or our children or our close friends. They're the ones who see that. And that's another world. But there's a third face to our lives and to our world in ministry. And I think this is the most important, but it's the most overlooked. And it's our private world. That's the one that only God sees. That's only you and God sees. And I think that's the one that talks about integrity. And, and I wonder what's happening in that world. We we never worry about that. We always worry about the public one. And I want to suggest, honestly, friends, we've got to shift again to making sure we're working on that private world. Not just the public one, the private. That's what determines what happens publicly. And so I, I, it's integrity. I always ask myself this. Is there something going on in my life or your life with those of us in leadership, in ministry, that if it were to become public, would disqualify us from any ministry? That's a good question. If there are those things, can I suggest we need to deal with them right now, get them sorted out. Because those things matter more to God than the public persona that we're putting out there. The third thing I want to say, well, just in this, if I can also add, make sure you're keeping all your tanks full, not just your leadership focus and that, but fill your tanks, your relational tanks. Got to be full of those, filling those, because what we've been called to is relational, and so we got to kind of work with our relationship, our upward and outward relationships, our connecting with people and families and all the guys we're involved in, but keep your relational tank full. Keep your intellectual tank full feed your mind and read and study and all those things but keep your intellectual uh, tank full i think it's important our physical be uh, stay healthy stay fit uh, eating the right things again it's not that we're obsessed with our bodies but we want to be in this for the long haul and let's be honest there's a, a there's a weightiness to what we've been called to in leadership and if we're not having that outlet if we're not keeping ourselves fit and working out and, and and using our bodies wisely and sleeping, getting rest, all the things, friends, that are so obvious but so overlooked. I think we're in a dangerous place. And that's what I, I want to highlight in this is part of our lives. Are we living a life worth imitating? Make sure you're filling your tank uh, that uh, physically and getting sorted out and staying healthy and so on. Spiritually, we need to be filling our tanks, obviously. And not just so we can minister just so we can keep in step with the holy spirit and know this that we often are giving more than what we're taking and, and we're going to run out i often talk about how i hate to fill my carb with gas it's one of my pet peeves i hate going to the gas station i know a lot of you live in countries where they do it for you but in my country we have to do it ourselves which is fine but i think it's such a waste of time and i'm always saying ah, we will just wait to another place i'll go to another gas station you're almost running to the red but the reality is, and it's happened in times with me, where you do run out. If you don't fill up your tank, you're going to run out eventually. And and I want to just say that's the obvious thing for us in ministry and leadership. You better be filling your tank spiritually. One of the tragic uh, statements I've heard or statistics is that uh, it says that 21% of pastors spend less than 15 minutes a day in prayer, which is an average. Uh, the average is 39 minutes a day in prayer now. Again, I'm not saying how much time, and I'm not saying do you time yourself. The point is that we're not spending enough time filling our tanks, and we need to, friends. That's what it means to finish the race, to fight the fight, to keep the faith. That's what we've got to be doing, and I hope you're doing that in any season that you're in. And then there's this emotional. We've got to fill our emotional tanks. Some other scary statistics for ministry and leaders is one out of ten. One out of every ten pastors will actually retire as a pastor. I, I don't know. Uh, and how that can be, except we obviously are burning out. And the reason being is 90% of pastors don't finish the race, don't finish what they started, don't finish in the call that they originally intended to start in that God called them to. And the reason being is, is that we are not taking care of ourselves. And so, friends, I just want to challenge let us not become a statistic. It's not in God's hands alone, it's in ours. And we've got to build our character, we've got to fill our wells, and we've got to dig wells, and so on. So, let's not be a statistic let's take care of the things even emotionally i think in ministry we overlook that too much and we don't even if we think we're not emotional beings we all are and what i challenge you with is that we carry emotion and we feel the things our people are feeling and we go through the highs and the lows with them and it's affecting us and if we're not dealing with those things and we're not taking time to restore ourselves and fill ourselves and get things sorted out i think we're going to burn out and that would be a tragedy so do you live a life worth imitating not do you have a ministry worth imitating another thing i think we've got to ask is do you have a ministry or a church worth joining it's a good question do you have a mission worth dying for because jesus died for what we're doing and we better make sure this mission we've been called to is worth dying for and the other thing is is what we're building reproducible this is also going to help us finish the race well by making sure we've kind of done what we called to but multiplying and reproducing Things we've given ourselves to, others can run with too, because we need longevity in what we're involved in, and so on. And here's what I want to highlight. Third question is, where are we leading? Where are we leading? I do want to say that we're not called to lead by ourselves. We're not called to do this alone. Obviously, we do it with the Lord. Obviously, we do it with other people and in partnership, but we're also called to lead with the team, and and we need to highlight the need and the importance of team. Jesus understood that, and Jesus showed that, and Never lead by yourself, friends. We always do it in context of team. That's God's way. I think all great leaders are great team builders. They're not just good at leading, they're good at building teams. And that's what we need to function and and give our attention to. I think if you don't have a team, you're not a leader, you're actually a loner. And that's a dangerous thing. And so make sure you're leading a team, building team, investing in people around us And understanding the need for each other and the need for accountability and a a need for strength in numbers and a need for others carrying responsibility and not trying to do it all by ourselves. We need to be intentional and consistent. We need to carry in our hearts, I believe, the mission of Jesus. I've often said that a good leader knows the way, shows the way and goes the way. We need to know what we've been called to and know where we're going. We also need to show the way. Uh, Tell others and show them. But then more importantly, those two can I suggest, we need to actually go the way. We need to lead and live by example. So when we talk about uh, being Christ-like, when we talk about being followers of Jesus, when we're challenging others to be more like Jesus, friends, we've got to be in the front leading them that way and revealing more of the character of Christ in our lives and in our ministries and uh, not telling others to do it, living and leading by example. That's the key. We need leaders, I've often said, that are marked by the living presence of Jesus, That inspires others to bold faith. We need example leaders. We need servant-hearted leaders. That's what it means to be more like Jesus. We need leaders who are submitted to Jesus. Uh, We need leaders who are obsessed with Jesus. We need leaders who are more like Jesus. And so we need leaders simply who are following Jesus. And that's the key to this thing. And I know that we often reference this text. I do often too. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul says, Follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me, I believe what he's saying, as much as you see me following Jesus. Paul was not saying, I, Paul, am worthy to be followed. I believe what Paul was saying, I, Paul, a follower of Jesus, is worthy to be followed because of who I'm following. So the point, if I can suggest, is that. We love to tell people, follow me as I follow Christ or imitate me as I'm imitating Christ. And that's awesome and true. And it's a good statement. The point, though, is are we truly following Christ? Because we shouldn't get people to follow us if we're not followers of Jesus. What makes us worthy of being followed is the one who we follow, and that is Jesus. And so it's a good truth for us to just be reminded of and understand You know, I think it's a pretty audacious statement to say, follow me as I follow Jesus or imitate me. It's a pretty audacious statement to be said. And I think for the average modern day church leader, it's really audacious. Um, It presupposes that the things I spend my time doing, not just talking about my time doing, if carefully imitated, would have a kingdom revealing effect. It presumes a level of spiritual integrity, which we've talked about already, but this would presume... A level of spiritual integrity that is wide open to the personal inspection and of of private scrutiny. In other words, you and I who claim to be followers of Jesus, who tell people to follow us as we follow Jesus. If our lives were to be investigated, not our ministries, not what we talk about, our lives, we would then be found guilty of being followers of Jesus. That's what it has to mean, friends, for us. There's much said about the marks of effective leadership, and we want to be effective in our leadership, and we want to study and learn and be better in leadership. And leadership is strategic and vital. But I think what's missing today in some of the discussion and the talking and the preaching on leadership, we we think lost amongst in all these voices is assumed, but often I think the most neglected foundation of all leadership, and I think it's this: our day calls for a resurgence of Christ-like leadership. Leaders know, not first and foremost for their compelling gifts, not for their charismatic communication, which is important, or for their influential leadership, but for the fact that they are continually being shaped by Jesus Christ himself. Here's a few clear ways, quick, clear ways that we can tell whether that be true. Not that we have to tell people, but they can see it in us, see it in our lives, see it in our leadership, see it in our ministry. Well, here's some ways we can tell. Number one, humility. Um, Christ-like leaders reject prideful posturing and give preference to humble, empowering leadership that seeks to promote the best of others. Think about that in leadership today. It's worthy of note that the early apostles took pride in nothing other than Jesus. They didn't take pride in themselves or the stuff they did or the gifts they carried. They took pride in Jesus Christ himself. That, my friends, is what I believe is a sign or a fruit of what it means to be a true follower of Jesus and to lead in that way, I think le- uh, humility is lacking in the church and certainly in leadership. And to me, that's what. Draws the attention of God to us. God says that he gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. I I think uh, humility is so attractive to the world, attractive to God, attractive to people. Not false humility, humility, knowing who we are and recognizing it's not this posturing for position. It's giving the glory to Jesus and staying humble and serving people and knowing that our only great thing we carry is Jesus Christ himself. I also think service is another sign, another true evidence of being a true follower of jesus this is how we know we've been shaped by him by the way we serve not being served not looking to be served but how can we serve others service christ-like leaders will pour out themselves in burden-bearing relationship that models love in action don't talk love models it by the lives we live and what we pour ourselves into i believe that we need to model our king by laying aside claims to power and privilege like jesus did and pour ourselves out in selfless deeds of service that only God can see we're not doing it so people can see it we're not doing it so we can be recognized we just do it whether people see it or not because what care we matter more what matters more to us more as follows it more than anything is that Jesus or oh God sees it and that's all that matters to us so we're not we're playing to the audience of one And we're not serving people so they can see how awesome we are. We just serve people because that's the heart that Jesus had. And he came to serve. And I think if we've been shaped by him, then we're growing in our serving of others. Another thing is courage. I believe Christ-like leaders take risks that are unexplainable apart from Christ leading. Think about that. Does your life and ministry, does you, what you and I are involved in, is, is it unexplainable in the risk taking? Or are we just kind of settled and become secure in our thing now? And friends, there's a moment, there's a season we're in now that I believe God's looking for us to be risk takers, to step out and to do the things he's called us to, to hear what Jesus is saying and do exactly what it is he's called us to. I think that true Christ-like leaders are attuned to the activity of the Spirit and take courageous steps in uncharted territory, regardless of the cost. We, we, we are to weigh up the cost, I understand that, but we're not letting the cost determine the call. We're just getting on with it. We're attuned to what God's called us to, and we're risk takers and we're stepping up. That's what I believe it means. Courage, uh, that, that what it means to be a true follower of Jesus and Christ-like leadership. You know, to those people who are really Christ-like leaders, Vision is so clear. It takes more courage not to obey than to get out and do what it is God's cause. Then there's this thing of boldness. And I think they go hand in hand. Courage and boldness. They're not the same thing, but they do go hand in hand. Courage and boldness are connected, interconnected. Both are signs and fruit of us being Christ-like because Jesus was courageous and he was bold. He stepped in. And I think these four, humility, service, courage, and boldness, are all in, are linked together boldness without humility creates leaders who say the right thing but in a manner or tone that repels people rather than compels and friends we've all seen that before let's hope that's not us but if it is us we need humility with courage we want to compel people to walk out the mandate God's called them to rather than repel them from our arrogance or our boldness that has no humility courage without service What it does is it produces leaders who are willing to take risks, but do so in a way that communicates that the outcome of the task is more important than the people the project is designed to serve. We care more about the results rather than the people. And that's the danger with courage. If we're all about courage without service, we need to be serving. We need to do this for the people, do it for God, not do it for the outcome and the results. So I think we need to get back to some of these things, but to do it in a way that communicates, we need to communicate the outcome is important, but more important than the outcome is we are all about the people God's called us. So when you combine these characters and these virtues and compelling answer, I think to the leadership crisis that we're seeing in the church today is we don't have enough followers of Jesus true christ-like leaders and friends my challenge for you and me is let's be more like jesus let's lead like more like christ let's point people more to jesus by the way we lead and the things that we carry now following jesus is personal it's not a corporate thing that you all can do together it's a personal thing and that's what it's all about and you know the thing about following jesus is that jesus is always going somewhere which means my followership Will be distinguished by the fact that I am moving into places that I might never go if i were not if I were left to my own devices that 's how we know we 're following jesus if I was left to my own devices i'd be doing certain things but because i 'm following jesus i'm actually going to places I would never go and i 'm doing things I would never do that 's a sign of what it means to be following Jesus I also like and also like jesus i don't go alone that 's our thing, but we take and we inspire other people to pattern our lives and to do what it is we've been called to together. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I want to say, unfortunately, in today's church, we see too many churches building their discipleship models with this expectation of motionless followers following a passionless reduction of a missionary Jesus. Think about that. I know that's a radical statement, but we We've got to get back to true followers of Jesus, Christ-like, being Christ-like. And so I just want to land with some challenges for us on how we can actually cultivate and build this character and, and, and be more practical in it. And there are three things. I think our response. Number one, practice the presence of Jesus. Not just have moments with him practice the presence of jesus in other words that in everything we say in everything that we do in all that we're the decisions we're making the connecting with people the preaching the 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 appointments whatever we do practice the presence of jesus that jesus is with us in the decision making that he's there in those moments and we want to recognize that know that jesus is with us so practice the presence of him being there. I believe we need to abide in Christ. Honestly, friend, not just reference him, abide in him. The Bible is very clear. John 15, those who abide in him remain in me and I remain. Apart from him, you can do nothing. So we, we need to be pressing into the into him and abiding in him. We need to revel in Christ. Can I suggest we need to enjoy Christ? That That helps us Develop this culture of Christ is to enjoy Him. Don't just have moments. Don't go to Him in the needs. Enjoy Jesus. Enjoy walking with Him and resembling Him. Make much of Christ. Live in constant dependency on Christ. And I believe this will keep you relying on Jesus as your source of all power. I was recently asked, like, because you know, going through some of the stuff we're all going through with this kind of lockdown and the new seasons and all that. And someone asked me, so so what is the lessons you've learned? You're big on this thing of We we do stuff for the Lord and why we do what we do and all those things. And I realized, I said to that guy in response, you know, one of the lessons I learned is not only we do it for him, not only we do it because of what he's done for us. Those are good enough reasons. But what's really inspired me in the season is we don't get it to do it just for him. We get to do it with him. Honestly, guys, we don't do this alone. We get to enjoy Jesus. I get to do what I'm doing with him. And I think that's needed and necessary. Now, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7 which is a, a well-worn well-worn text that we use unfortunately only on, on Christmas, the birth of Jesus and the prophesying of Him coming. But there's some profound things that show us that there's a daily need for Jesus and He's involved in all areas. And it says this in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on His shoulders, and He will be called wonderful. He will be called wonderful. And, and I believe that helps us in the dullness of our lives. That He's wonderful. And when you're connecting to this wonderful Jesus, He helps us in the dullness of the things we're involved in. He will be called Counselor. Meaning He helps us in the decisions we are called to make in life and in leadership and in ministry. He will be called Mighty God, which means He helps us in the demands of life. Do you see how in every situation, in every context, Jesus can be and wants to be involved by His very name. Wonderful. Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God. And then it says, Everlasting Father. He helps us in the dimensions of life. He gives us understanding of being a father to us. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and so on. And then Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. He helps us in the disturbances of life. Think about that, friends. Jesus helps us in the dullness. He helps us in our decisions. He helps us when we are facing demands. He helps us in our dimensions of understanding life. And He also helps us in disturbances. He's the Prince of Peace. The point being is that Jesus is involved in everything and we need to keep going to him. So can I suggest develop a culture of Christ? Second, practice a culture of Christ. Secondly, practice the presence of people. You can't be connected to God and separated from people. You can't be about Jesus and his deal and, be, and not care about people. So practice the presence of Jesus, but also practice the presence of people. Treat Here's the thing. Why don't we treat every person that we come in contact with as if Jesus did die for them? Imagine how things would change for the people we love, for the people we lead, but also the people we encounter every day. Treat them like Jesus did die for them because he did die for them, but we would treat them better. Treat every person as if Jesus did leave heaven to rescue them. Treat every person as if they are made in the image of God and they really do matter to him. And if they matter to him, They'll matter to us. And I believe this will keep us from treating people as though they're less than than made in the image of God. And lastly, thirdly, practically speaking, practice being a servant. Don't practice being a leader. Practice being a servant. You know, people do not exist to serve us. We exist to serve Jesus. And the way we serve him is by serving the people around us. And so can I say, let's look for ways to serve people. Uh, besides preaching a sermon alone and jesus washed his disciples feet let me ask you whose feet are you washing not just practically but spiritually who are you serving who are you pouring into uh, are you practicing being a servant because that is what we call this keeps us humble and it keeps us accessible and so i want to just land and say again you build your character and let god build your platform and build your influence and let's not just talk about character let's bring it back to being more like jesus let's live like christ let's lead like christ let's point people to jesus let's see let the world see christ in us and when we say follow us as we follow christ let it be said true that that is exactly what we're doing day in and day out and i think we can come back to what paul said i have finished the race i've kept the faith and i have fought the battle that is what we call to so good friends Simple truths, but I do believe so helpful for all of us, including me. Don't build your platform, build your character. Let God take care of your platform and your influence. God bless you. Stay strong. Stay focused. We'll see you again. Thanks for watching.